listening to Nightlight. Yes, you're with Nightlight and a warm welcome back to the show. With us on the program is Stephen Strutt once again. He's the author of Enoch Insights, Estrus Insights, Jasher Insights, and he's here to talk about his latest book, Jubilee's Insights. Nightlight Insights. Well, Stephen, I have to thank you for these books because they've sparked my interest in these ancient Jewish and apocryphal books, which I'd never read before. And I've now recorded audiobooks of Enoch, Second Estrus, and Jasher. And I must say, your daughter Susanna's done a wonderful job in designing the covers for these. And I'm currently recording the book of Jubilees. I finished the first 15 chapters. I have to say that recording one of these books is a much, much easier job than what you've done with your verse-by-verse commentaries and insights, cross-references with corresponding Bible verses. It's just been a huge undertaking, and I take my hat off for you for the years of research and prayer and just plain hard pick and shovel that you put into producing these fascinating volumes. Well, yeah, I I read through the first 16, 17 chapters of my book today so that I'm uh, on par with what you're doing with recording. And I was because I'm just trying to emphasize what it is it, why is it I do it the way I do. The thing is, I love those books, starting the Book of Enoch, uh, Jubilees, Jasher, and second Esdras in particular, of all the 15 Apocrypha books plus the old Hebrew books, those are the ones I particularly like. And I, the reason I like them is because all of them talk about how the law was given by God, but then the devil and his cohorts tried to steal it away from God's people time and time and time again. Yes. So I like to know very clearly the history of God's Word from the beginning up to the present, how there's always somebody trying to bury God's word. And it's buried because of compromise. It's always the same. The word gets buried because people don't stick to the radical word of God. They don't stick to what he originally said. They compromise for gain. And because they do, they end up with a diluted word and they don't know what God originally said well the Lord showed me in prophecy he said it's like you've got to be on a higher level in order to see from above you've got to in order to do that you've got to get answers from heaven you've got to get answers from the Lord he's going to talk to you just like he did with the scribes in in the the Jewish scribes are amazing to me when I studied these amazing people uh, of Jewish history the dedication they had to not only getting the word on paper but checking with the Lord, they got it right. And then they didn't have an easy time. God's people had a, were persecuted nearly all the time. Somebody trying to take away, whether it's the Babylonians or the Egyptians, trying to take away a lot of the time with the Word of God. So I admire the scribes of old who are very dedicated to the Word and the law, writing it down. Yes. But unfortunately, because of the sins of Israel, many times ago the Lord allowed the enemy to steal it away from them. But in His mercy, He then gave it back to them time and time again, starting with giving it to Enoch in great detail from the beginning to the end. Right. People need to know these books because why are they so important? Because the books of Enoch, Jasher, Jubilees, Second Estus, they all have much more depth to them than just 
reading them with a carnal mind, just reading them with your own understanding. They're spiritually discerned and they have a lot of secrets in them, amazing stuff. Yes, they do. And those books can help you to get much bigger picture than just the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible was intended to be together with the Apocrypha, not that the Apocrypha ripped right out the Bible. That was never should have happened. It wasn't intended. God never intended for the Apocrypha books to be ripped out of the Bible as they were in 1885. And that means that most people, they've got the basics of the Bible, but they don't have the exciting background how God used his prophets, his scribes, time and time again, that they had to be dedicated, they had to endure persecution, and, and they heard from angels. E Enoch got the revelations through angels. Moses got the revelations through angels of the presence of God in the book of Jubilees. And the book of Jubilees gives a lot more detail than the Bible, as does the book of Jasher, as you know, and Enoch. But God intended us to have the Bible, but have the Apocrypha, and have the Jewish canon books like Enoch and Jasher. All these books were at one time canonized, but somebody has tried to steal them away from the canon and from the Bible with dubious purposes to undermine the word. That is always the devil's plan. Undermine God's word any way he can and get people to compromise. That's right. Because there's a much bigger depth to the word of God than just reading it. There's a great depth, as you and I know. There's a, there's a great depth which you can only know if you, if you study the word. If you, you really do get in the word and you really pray and ask God for answers to what does it mean? How, how can I apply it to my life? Because if you get turned on to God's Word, there's nothing more powerful in the universe. Jesus is the Word of God, yes, and He is Creator, and He wants us to be connected to Him. And principally, you've got to be connected to Jesus, as you put in all your publications, all your orders say the same thing, that you need to be connected with heaven, connected with Jesus, connected with His Word in a personal way. It can't be religious. It can't be just go to a church and let somebody else do the work. No, you've got to do the work. You've got to do being dedicated to Jesus and God, and you've got to ask questions. God doesn't want dummies. God doesn't want people who just sit there and don't say anything and don't mean anything and don't ask any questions. God is an exciting, dynamic God who likes us to play ball with Him. <laughs> That's right. Well, we ask Him questions, and he's more than willing to answer any question you want to throw at him, anything. Right. That's why I find it very exciting. These, these books have been a great challenge to me and have opened my eyes to so many things I never had a clue about. But having said that, I think it's now is the time for it. God has his perfect timing for everything, and we can't learn everything all at once. Uh, it took us many years to learn a lot of basic Christian values and, and moral values, but now God is showing us some of his amazing secrets from the far past, which link to the far future. And therefore, I think it's a privilege for me to work on these books. If I can give a few signals here and there of um, how to apply it, give cross-reference. If it can help somebody in some way so they have more love for God's word, then that will achieve what I'm after. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. And our guest is Stephen Strutt talking about his latest book, Jubilees insights. All right, Stephen, let's zero in on the book of Jubilees, which is also called Little Genesis. It covers the same ground as the book of Jasher, which is basically a retelling of the book of Genesis. That's correct. Jasher has a lot more detail 
than Genesis, but so far from what I've read of Jubilees, it seems to be a shortened version of Genesis, and it only briefly mentions some of the major stories like Tower of Babel and Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. As I mentioned before, I've only read 15 of the 50 chapters, but so far there seems to be much less in Jubilees than in Jasher or even the Bible. So I'm curious how you managed to write a whole book of commentary on the book of Jubilees. Is there, is there something I'm missing? <laughs> You'll have to read what I've written because uh, the truth is, although I would, I would say Jasher, if you compare Jasher with Jubilees, Jasher is like a, a history book of how the Jewish nation and before them their ancestors how they lived and it's a very dynamic exciting book yes it is. the book of jubilees on the other hand is more like a religious book from a religious point of view and uh putting the law down and and stating how it was having said that it is a very very interesting book indeed because it gives details actually it has a lot of details in it that you don't find in the bible you know you just got to see it and like I said, you can't just rush through these books and, you know, you have to look into the meaning of the words. I'll give you an example here, just to give your audience an idea. What I did was, for simplicity, for each chapter I gave it not only a name to the chapter, but I also gave a synopsis of each chapter to make it easy. For example, here, to give you a comparison with the Bibles and a book of Jashub's are here. Here's what I wrote for a few of those chapters to give you mention. You mentioned the, the Tower of Babel. Right. Well, the Tower of Babel in this book, what I say here in chapter 10, it says here, details of the Tower of Babel in the days of Peleg and Ru, Cyclopean structures, portals. That's what I mentioned there. I, I, what I like about doing these books is there's a big connection between the Old Testament and things that are happening today scientifically the things that we're becoming aware of today such as portals for example what people have to understand is that there's there's a synchronicity between the old testament the new testament and modern times and and modern science is all connected it's all connected and there is so much going on that for most people it seems to escape them they they, they don't want to ex uh, believe that such fantastic things could happen and yet, it's written, all written in the past. Yes. Uh, I'll give you another example here. Look, here's, here's another example. That was a very simple one. In chapter 2, I've written here, just as a summary of chapter 2, Sabbath instituted. Like I said, this is a religious book, uh, uh, Jubilees, but it shows how it was all done, and it shows why the Sabbath was important, why God instituted the Sabbath day, why we have the seventh day, um, according to Jewish tradition, should be a day of rest, right? But also I mentioned here the creation story in chapter 2, and also mentioned sea monsters mentioned. Wow. And why is that important? This is a detail. Because in the Bible, you, ch you check the, the same verse in the Bible, it doesn't say sea monsters. It says whales and big fish or something. True. Right? So you go to Jubilees, and it gives you more details. It says there were sea monsters. Now my big question is, why would somebody alter the old texts and compromise the text by saying whales and big fish instead of sea monsters. Mm -hmm. You see, somebody's had an agenda, even with the Bible, of altering things, altering things to make it more watered down, because there are certain truths 
very powerful people don't want people to know in general. That's just that's just a given example. So I, I look at the books of the past, not just from the religious point of view that the, the Hebrews or the Jews have faithfully put down, but also applying it to what does it mean to today. And unfortunately, a lot of these very good books have now been either taken away or they've been replaced by other books which are more, how we should say, into dark arts instead of the, the pure word of God. What I mean by that is Tom Horn gets a lot into that sort of thing about how the, if, you don't have the, if you don't have the grace of God, all you've got is, the, is turning to the law or the letter of the law. But God wants his people to be free, not bound by all these laws. The, the, the laws came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He didn't want people to be bound by the law, but there are a lot of people who are bound by the law. They even build buildings and structures on exact dates, and under exact time and exact star signs, because they believe in all that, because they're bound by the law. That's interesting. But if you... If you know Christ, you're not bound by the law at all. And, and I think that God originally gave fantastic word, like the book of Jude, it's fantastic. But it's been compromised because people can't see the depth of it. Right. I mean, look, look at, here's another detail, chapter 4. Cain marries his sister. Eve had nine sons and many daughters. Where does it say that in the Bible? Where does it give that detail? <laughs> it's true. Enoch is the first person to write things down. Enoch spent six jubilees with the angels and is brought to the Garden of Eden where he wrote it all down. You don't get that detail in the Bible. You see, in my opinion, there's a lot of stuff being taken away. Or put it this way, as I said before, I believe the Bible is fantastic for your basic knowledge and training as a Christian or Jew. But if you want to know more, you need to study these Jewish books, these Hebrew books that had more details to them and God intended it that way. Because I don't think God gives things to people on a plate. He gives it to those who are hungry to know. He gives it to those who do their homework. Yes. It doesn't just come easy. No knowledge and wisdom comes easy. And, and like I said, you have to read this book of Jubilees uh, f quite a few times before you begin to see it. Uh, look at this one here. Chapter 5. Fallen angels, giants, heavenly tablets. Now here's a good topic, heavenly tablets. In the book of Enoch, again, it talks about the heavenly tablets. In other words, it was already written down in heaven what was going to happen on the earth from Adam to the new heaven, new earth. It was already written down in heaven. And then eventually Enoch wrote it down in the physical realm on earthly tablets. All right, this says that in the book of Enoch. And then you get the same thing happening. In the book of Jubilees, it mentions these heavenly tablets. Now, stuff like that you don't see in the Bible. The question is why? Why have the exciting details, the miraculous things, the supernatural been toned down often in the Bible? Not always, but sometimes. Why? Why are they not there? Why is Enoch not even mentioned in the Bible except for a couple of verses in Hebrews 11 and one time in the Old Testament? But it doesn't even begin to give the depth of the Enoch and how important he was. He was like an intercessor of mankind. Without Enoch, mankind would have had no future. It's true. Enoch withheld the fallen angels and their evil for 345 years. Now, where do you read about that in the Bible? You know what I mean? So it's like there is so much people need to know from these ancient Jewish books and apocryphal books. that They're all Jewish, actually. They're all Hebrew books. 
diligently written and again I want to compliment the scribes and the people, the Jewish people who wrote these books down because without them we wouldn't know these fantastic truths, deep truths, because experts will tell you that any physical book or, or, or um, scroll will disintegrate within 200 years. So who kept writing it down? Who kept copying it? And I think that's why sometimes like the Dead Sea Scrolls, they, they had some Jewish, Jewish sect or, or organization that was diligent. They wrote it down, then hid it in a cave, and then we got the results in, in the 20th century. We got some copies. Why were they hiding it? I don't think they were just hiding it for future generations. That was one thing. But they were hiding it because of strong persecution. Good point. So I take my hat off to the Jews and the scribes who were the most faithful on earth at recording God's word through the millennia and the centuries when you consider that today people can hardly remember what happened 20 years ago right. or even 10 years ago true. and without records we're in the dark so I'm very happy for these books these books are amazing and the more I study them the more I learn from them and I, and I believe that there is a structure with all these books that gives a lot of secrets to how God intended people to live their lives and how to, how to get more from the spirit world, how to hear from God, and to hear in a way that God wants people to hear. Uh, people, God doesn't want people's relationship to be, with Him to be boring, monotonous, always the same. He wants your relationship with Him to advance. Yes. But it can only advance if you challenge Him. And it can only advance if you learn new things. But if you stick to the same old stuff, you won't be learning much you won't be getting anything new. You know? <laughs> so you've got to find books that are spiritual, that have a spiritual origin, and, and ones that are telling you the truth. Because sadly, there are so many books out there today that are not telling the truth. They're telling a lot of half-truths. They're mixing truth with, with fiction and lies. But I'd say that these books like Jubilees, they're trying to tell you the truth. They're trying to tell you the truth. And it's a matter of having faith to receive things by faith and to also ask God himself, ask him to reveal to you, is this true? Uh, show me this is true in some way. Uh, because I admit, a lot of things in the book of Jews are fantastic. They're incredible. But let's not get pulled down to the low level of low faith. Let's expand our faith and say, well, maybe these fantastic things mention, mention this box, like giants and fallen angels and portals and stuff that we even hear about today and cyclopean structures that we can't even explain ones that i've even seen myself locally big structures that you cannot explain and many thousands of things on this planet you cannot explain today you call paranormal today so many things that we cannot explain with our own natural thinking that's right because god has made it that way deliberately in my opinion so we have to expand our prayer life start asking God start what about this what about that and you will get answers the ones who are hungry Jesus said will be filled with good things mm -hmm. so I love these these old books because I think they're challenging look at this for example cha uh, chapter 11 of this book of Jubilees I've written here chapter 11 in summary graven images idol worship Abraham drives away the ravens of Mastema Abraham invents a modern plow. That's a good one. That's just give you an idea. Some of the things in that chapter, you won't find that in the Bible. You won't find it. And, and I think that these books were 
made in a way to interest people, maybe interest young people, maybe interest their children, so that people would see God does miracles. Fantastic miracle. How could Abraham know about how to defeat the ravens of Mastema being another name for Satan? And I won't go into what that's about, except the ravens were attacking the countries and stealing all their seed, but Abraham managed to drive away the ravens somehow. And then he taught them how to make a plow where the ravens couldn't get the seed because you'd have a bowl where you put the seed in and the seed would drop down while you used a plow to cut open the land, the ground, the seed would fall in and the land cover it before the ravens could get to it. Now that is, that is like a modern plow. And that was 4,000 years ago. I mean, little details like that I find fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. Yeah. How could they even know about stuff like that? You see, like modern science, which I, don't get me wrong, I love science. I've studied at two universities. I've studied electronics and mathematics and, and all kinds of topics and languages and things. I love science, but science means I know. But unfortunately, modern science has been all the more, it's being, it's being uh, adulterated and a lot of it's being um, exaggerated and a lot of it, you know, they're not asking the right questions. Science is supposed to, to teach you something so you could be knowledgeable of the truth. But they're not doing that. They're leading people away from the truth into an imagination world that they've created. But what I like with the contrast with Jubilees is how this book is telling you how it was, how God operated through people like Abraham and through Noah and, and through Enoch and through all his, uh, his patriarchs. He had so many people who were willing to listen. The, the, the sad thing is when modern man doesn't really listen to God anymore. He thinks he can do it himself. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is none of us can operate without God. And so my job is to try and encourage people to connect with God and find it simple. It's not difficult. It's not difficult to, to get saved, to receive Jesus as your Savior. It's not difficult. Anybody can do that. Two-year-old can do that. That's right. Yeah, so God has made salvation basically very simple, which you'll see on my website. I have a whole page dedicated to salvation there. But I think that we as Christians in the New Testament, we talk about salvation and we talk a lot about grace and saved by grace, and that's wonderful. But also, the Christians need to see the books of the past because they all talk about the Savior. All these books, they mentioned the Savior coming. They mentioned Jesus, especially the book of Enoch. It's amazing, they do. Second Esther, they, they mention the Savior and Messiah coming. They say when he's going to come. So why would somebody exclude these books, uh, the Apocrypha books? Why would you kick that out of the Bible 100 years ago when they were there for the last, almost the last 2,000 years? Because somebody has an agenda. Somebody doesn't want people to know that the wonderful prophecies about Jesus prophesied thousands and hundreds of years before he was even born. Mm -hmm. That's one of the main things that interests me, is the fact he does talk about the Messiah, talks about Jesus, the Son of God, Very in the book of Enoch, 2nd Esdras, and in this book of Jubilees. That's why these books have been hidden away, because somebody doesn't like people to know that Jesus is the Messiah. I'm sure. It's always the same thing. The devil's crowd, they don't want people to know about Jesus. But you'll find all these ancient books, and not only that, all the prophets from Isaiah all the way 
you know, in the in the Old Testament, the last thousand years up till Christ, they all talked about Messiah. You know, and it's the same with all the other books. And, and that's why it's important for your faith to know there are many books talk about the Messiah, many talk, talk, books talk about Jesus, and they describe him in detail, and, and, and uh, call him king of righteousness and king of kings, not just in the book of Revelation, but in the book of Enoch, the very first book. So the book of Jubilees also gives a lot more details. As I said before, Jubilees was originally a little Genesis, and it was intended to be a religious book, but at the same time, they can't help but give away a lot of details, and for that I'm very thankful. I think at times they are a bit restrictive, like for example, I point that out in the, what's it, one of the first chapters, when they talk about the creation of Adam and Eve. It's very interesting, when they talk about, about speech is taken away from the animals. Now where do you get that in the Bible? In other words, it's saying here at one time, the animals could talk with Adam and Eve. Wow. And, and speech was taken away from the animals, see? So details like that make it very, very interesting. And you just have to have simple faith to believe such things. If you educate yourself out of faith, like what happens with a lot of us when we get to be adults, then you miss the simplicity of Christ. You, you know, that's why I said in the beginning of my first book, um, watch out that you don't be led astray from the simplicity that is in Christ. God wants us to, be, when it comes to faith, to be as small children who readily accept anything God says. Then you won't get unstuck with your carnal mind. The problem is when you let your carnal mind take over by being educated and knowing all the knowledge. Oh, I, I, I have a lot of knowledge about a lot of topics, but it doesn't. that's not the point. The point is, do you keep the simplicity of loving God loving Jesus, and you care more about loving others than knowing stuff. That's right. The problem is when you get like Satan in the Garden of Eden, tempting people with knowledge, but having no love, no concern for people. That's the problem. Knowledge itself, no matter what it is, is empty. And as 1 Corinthians 13 says, whether it be knowledge, it shall pass away. So anything any one of us knows means nothing if we don't have the New Testament love of God of 1 Corinthians 13. So to me, the love, compassion, mercy is far more important than knowledge. Having said that, it's good to have godly knowledge that teaches truth. And I, that's what I believe the Book of Jubilees does. Like some of these little details. I, to me, the Book of Jasha, I like very much. But that's different. I, can't, I, I compare the books in some ways, but I like both of them because... They show different aspects of how God operates supernaturally, how he takes care of his people, and how he brings the Messiah. All beautiful, wonderful books. Amen. And like I said, I think these books were put together under persecution. I think there was like the scribes, and the, I think some of them were warriors. They got this stuff down under great persecution and difficulty with the threat of life. Sometimes the books uh, didn't last that long. And I, I think we should be so thankful we have these books because they do teach a lot. But like I said, it takes time to see it. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. And this is the 245th edition of the International Nightlight Show. And with us talking to us over Skype is Stephen Strutt, author of the Insight series on the book of Enoch, Second Estrus, Jasher, and his latest book, Jubilee Insights. Nightlight's interview of the week. I'll tell you what I've tried to do with Jubilee's Insights to give you an idea. What I'm trying to do is to show 
the difference between grace and the letter of the law. Okay. Because as you know, in summary, it says that Mo the law came by Moses, grace and truth by Jesus Christ. Right. Now you see this clearly in the book of Jubilees. You, you see where the letter of the law came in, where Satan or Mastema was always trying to abrogate the law or the word that God said, twist it and tempt people with it. And, and I like the book because it shows how Satan operates. It shows how the negative spirit world operates in tempting people and making trouble. For example, that's, that shows in chapter 17, right? It also shows in chapter 20 about severe laws with very severe punishments. I, I tried to explain in my book why it was so severe back then. There's a reason. Why was it so severe? Why, why did God give such severe laws through Moses uh, to his people when by the New Testament it says, well, the law came by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. But what about those poor Jews or Hebrews who had to live under those terrible laws back there in the time of Moses? But there's a reason. God, I agree, God is not mocked and God has a reason for everything. I think we have a problem in modern times. A lot of people see God as this like uh, easygoing guy that puts up with anything. I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. I, I think that um, everything we do, we're going to have to give account of. The, the New Testament puts it even stricter than the Old Testament. It says, for every idle word a man shall speak, you should give an account. If we have to give an account of every word we speak, what about all our actions? You know, having said that, we're not to be afraid, because that's why we believe in Jesus, and we know that he saves us from our sins, as long as we yield to his spirit. I'm trying to show with the Book of Jubilees a comparison between the New Testament and the Old Testament and how there was a time when God, God had to be severe with his people. In the, in the Jews coming out of, they just come out of Egypt where it was a very satanic culture and God had to be severe with them to try to get his new budding nation of Israel on course, so to speak, right? Yes. And I will say, I agree with what you said before. I totally agree uh, that the Bible is God's word and the New Testament is, I'd say it's perfect. Some parts of the Old Testament, though, just, just a few places have been altered a little bit, but not so much as to make a huge difference. So, yes, the Bible has the basics that anybody who wants to find salvation and wants to know history uh, back to creation. Yes, it's all there. But I wouldn't miss these extra Jewish books who, like I've said before, have been in the Jewish canon. Jasher, Jubilees, they've been in the Jewish canon. But the big question is, why have somebody tried to hide them, hide them away, uh, trying to pretend they didn't exist? What are they afraid of? Uh, and I would say this to your audience. And if people don't wake up to the fact that we're in a big spiritual warfare every day, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're in a big spiritual warfare. You will be blinded to the truth because you're not fighting spiritually. You must fight with God's word every day, personally, and you must pray desperately every day and ask God for the answers because God can speak to anybody. You don't have to go to a church building. You don't have to belong to religion in order for you to hear from God. That's just a control mechanism. All you need is to be desperate with the Lord and he'll give you the answers about any topic. That's my own personal experience of 45 years being a missionary. <laughs> it's never completely dark when you're listening to Nightlight.
Well, Stephen, you've done a very good job at pointing out some of the very interesting details in the first 15 chapters. What are some of the things I have to look forward to in the remaining 35 chapters? I think there's 50 chapters in all, right? Oh, yes, it's got 50 chapters all together. Well, I mean, in some ways, like I can understand, you know, if you want an exciting book where you can read Jasher Insights, you know, I can see you like to compare these two books. Jasher, the book of Jasher is, is fantastic as regard to excitement and, um, and, and supernatural things and the sons of Jacob, the 12 patriarchs and what they're up to and fantastic stuff. Yeah, amazing stories. But like I said before, this book of Jubilees is also just as interesting, but in a slightly different way. I'll show you some other things here. Since I have, I've made names for the chapters and I've made a summary for each chapter. And I thought that makes it easier for you to give you some more ideas here. Hmm. So it says here, look, here's a nice detail, for example. Chapter 19, Abraham chooses Jacob to be his successor. In other words, Abraham bypasses Isaac. Wow. And he tells Isaac's wife, Rebecca, Jacob is the one who's going to carry on my line, not Esau. Now, why did that happen? Because Isaac, he was sure that Esau was going to be a successor because he was the firstborn. But God knew better and told Abraham to tell Isaac's wife, Rebecca, no, it's going to go through Jacob. And the reason that's important for people to know, and this is what I like about Jubilees, it points out the reasons why things happen. The Bible tells you the basic things you need to know. But sometimes it's kind of a bit strange the way people behaved. Like the story of um, Jacob and Rebecca. Most people think, oh, Jacob was a deceiver and jipper, jipping his old father Isaac to uh, get the blessing and the inheritance. But that's not quite telling you the whole story. Because Abraham was the one who told to Rebecca, look, the, it's not going to come through Esau. It's going to come through Jacob. Now, once Rebecca and Jacob knew that, you see, it makes the story in a whole different light. You see it. Yes. So you don't sort of labeling Jacob, oh, he was just one big deceiver. Or Rebecca, how could, she, how could she deceive a poor blind husband? As I've heard many people talk like that. But the truth is, in my opinion, they, haven't, they don't know the whole story as it really was. There's one example. Chapter 19. And here's another one. Here's another one, for example. It says here, chapter 27, Esau's evil intentions revealed in a dream to Rebekah. Jacob dreams of a ladder up to heaven. When I say a portal, as others have said, you know. All right, so that's just one thing I said. And then chapter 29, land of Rephaim, which is talking about the land of the giants. And here it mentions again, as you know, Chapter 31, Rachel gives her father's idols to Jacob to be burnt. And there's a whole story there about Rachel. Why do things happen? In this Jubilee's Insights, I have listed many things about the women there and how they were thinking from um, Rebecca and Rachel and Sarah and, and what it was like being them back then. Interesting. What it was like being in a, uh, a society where often the women were not included the way they should have been. But this book points these things out. I mean, plus there's some really funny things in, the, in this book, which I find very interesting. I mean, it talks about more de detail. You'll find more detail about Tamar and Judah. 
in chapter 41. Mm -hmm. You'll find out a lot of interest there in chapter 39 with Potiphar's wife tries to entice Joseph. It gives more explanation here in chapter 36 about Rachel dies young in childbirth. And here it even says something about Potiphar the eunuch. Now, in chapter 35, I was wondering, how could Potiphar be a eunuch when he had a wife right. who was running over after Joseph? <laughs> it makes an interesting uh, story anyway, but I, I wrote about that, right? I found, I found that quite interesting. It says here in chapter 48, Mastema tries to kill Moses. Now, this is a big story. You've got to read chapter 48 because okay. what some of the stories in the Bible, I think they've got the text wrong, misunderstood. Only this book of Jubilees gets this story right because what happens is that um, when Moses went up the mountain and God said to him, I'm sending you to Egypt to deliver my people from Pharaoh, God gave him that command. The next thing you know is it says, and the angel, in the, if you go by the Bible, the Bible just says, and the angel of the Lord stood there to kill Moses on his way to Pharaoh. And you say, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. You look into it, and then you find other scriptures like Jubilees, and it says, no, it wasn't God's angel came to kill Moses. It was Mastema. It was Satan. And why did he do it? Because Satan knew that God had commanded Moses to go to Egypt and set his people free from Pharaoh. And so the devil was looking for something to use against Moses. So what did he use? And it makes it very clear here in Jubilees. He used the letter of the law that Moses had forgotten to circumcise his second son the eighth day. And according to the law, you were to be kicked out of the camp or executed if you didn't circumcise on the eighth day. So the devil used that against Moses. And therefore, his wife and him they did end up circumcising his second son. But the devil was trying to use it, the letter of the law, against Moses. That's why I say in this book of Jubilees, I'm trying to point out about when is it God speaking and when is it the letter of the law. How do you, how do you explain verses like Stephen in the New Testament saying to, saying to the Pharisees, for you received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. Of course, they stoned him to death for saying that. <laughs> right. now, the, the point is that sometimes it was God speaking, but sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes it was them misinterpreting what God said and using it in religion to control the masses. Yes. Because that's basically what organized religion is. It's a control mechanism if you're not following God's spirit of love. If you go by the letter of law, you're going to enslave people instead of set them free. And that's what I try to prove in this book of Jubilee's Insights. Nightlight. What a delight. One thing about these apocryphal books, Stephen, is that they help remind you that there's so much yet to learn about the events and characters that walk the earth during huge spans of time that are passed over very quickly in the Bible. Like, for instance, the 1,500 years between the creation and the flood, which happens already in Genesis chapter 6. I'm curious now to investigate some of the lesser known apocryphal books, of which there are very many, over 60, I believe. Would you recommend any of these? The history of Adam and Eve seems to be quite popular. Adam and Eve is good. I, I've read that one. I, 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 Yes, I wrote about Adam and Eve a little bit, and I, I think maybe in Enoch Insights. But I thought that that book was, um, I think it's real. I think, I don't know how they got hold of that book, but... The reason I think it's real is this, more from um, 
perception and anything else or because it shows in that book how terribly sad Adam and Eve were after they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden now if you just go by the little story of the garden and um, a snake and um, they got kicked out for biting an apple that doesn't <laughs> that story is nice I, I believe it's 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 good but it's not telling you the depth of the picture at all. And the only reason where you find the depth of the picture is reading these other books like The Lost Books of Adam and Eve and, and other books because it shows their emotions. It shows what they were going through. It shows that they realized they'd lost the privilege of being God's presence. They, they'd lost the privilege of being in the garden because to Adam and Eve, it was, it was like in, in restudying that book and applying it also to the apocryphal books like I mentioned. You see this depth, you see this depth that Adam and Eve had a connection with God, second to none. They had this connection where they could actually see into the spirit world. They could see the throne of God. They could wow. experience things that we could only dream of right now. And then that is also backed up by modern Christian scientists who also tell us that, well, you know, we believe that when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, they actually were changed. God downgraded them. Now, I don't know. These are guys who are experts in genetics. And what they say was, you know that in modern times we say we have, um, we have a double helix to our um, DNA. Well, they're saying that we used to have a triple helix. At the time of the fall of man, we lost some of our, our original created being. And these experts in genetics say they believe that that extra strand of DNA that we used to have in our DNA, it used to enable us to have many other powers, many other abilities, uh, call it uh, things like um, being able to read minds and all kinds of stuff like that. Interesting. But we've lost a lot of the blessing. Now, this guy is the world's leading population geneticist. He's very famous. He wrote um, a book about this, and he uh, said since, he's a Christian too, since Adam and Eve... Um, we've been degenerating, not evolving, you know, so that's, an, <laughs> that's another very interesting thing concerning Adam and Eve. And, and it's a matter of knowing what happened with Adam and Eve. When, when God said to them, you're going to die, you're going to die for eating the apple. If you eat the apple, you will die. Well, we have been dying ever since. And, and now we find out genetically that every generation, we have a hundred defects in our in our DNA, 100 defects with each generation. Really? And the world's leading geneticists now telling us that mankind's going to die out in a few generations because we've got too many defects. So, so much for transhumanism and going forward and living forever through man with his machinery. It's just a joke. Because of sin, we have been degenerating ever since the beginning. And this is what leading population geneticists are telling us today. Right. So it's all connected with Adam and Eve in the beginning. That's what I like the beginning and connecting it through history all to the end, you know. But praise God. The, the, the main thing is that we all need to keep our eyes on Jesus and his word and ask God to give us the answers and verify whatever we read or study. Is it real? Is it true? Does it have, does it have merit? You know, and, and to know that, you need to first of all be saved. You need to first of all make sure you've got Jesus in your heart to make sure you've welcome him into your heart and that you have eternal life because eternal life means exactly that you have eternal life of a life to look forward to great joy and great happiness 
and where you keep learning, ever learning, ever learning and learning wonderful things. Encouraging you how very dearly Jesus loves you. You're listening to Nightlight. Steve, it's been great having you back on the show. I'm very much looking forward to reading Jubilee Insights as well as recording the remainder of the audiobook version. I'm going to sign out now and leave you to wrap things up by letting our listeners know how they can get a copy of your book. So if you want to know more information about my book, Jubilee's Insights, I suggest you go to my website because currently there is a free chapter on my website of Jubilee's Insights. And I'll give you the exact location for that. That is www.outofthebottomlesspit.co.uk front slash 413-438-217. My website's very extensive, but I'll take you to the special page for Jubilee's Insights And there are several things you can look out for there. Yesterday, I made a video, especially for this book of Jubilee's Insights, and the video is on YouTube, and that will show you a close-up of the book and explain a bit more why I made the books in detail. And also, you've got a free chapter, chapter 10, a very exciting chapter about the Tower of Babel, as to how high the Tower of Babel really was. There is no book like this that describes in detail how the Tower of Babel was thousands of feet high. Amazing stuff. That chapter takes information from the book of Jasher and a book of Jubilees from the Bible and from other books to give an incredible picture of how the Tower of Babel really was. I think you'll find it very exciting reading that chapter 10 and you can get that for free if you go again to www.outofthebottomlesspit.co.uk front slash 413-438-217 Nightlight Insights is a study book. The reason I say that is Jubilee's Insight is not a book to just read like a novel or something. It is a study book. It's very concentrated. It's for people who want to know more. It's people who want to add what they already know, add more information and knowledge to what they've already learned in the Bible. Some extra details are filled in, which makes it very interesting. I myself, I use my books now for reference books in, uh, in order to make other books. The information is invaluable in these books. Jubilee's Insights is a study book of the original Book of Jubilees, which was translated into English by R. H. Charles in 1902. It is often called the Little Genesis, retrieved from the Ethiopic language, and was more recently found among the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947. The Book of Jubilees was purportedly given to Moses by the angel of God, yeah, one of the angels of presence, in visions who told Moses to write it down for 40 days and 40 nights on the mount. The Book of Jubilees is also known as the Book of Divisions, and the Apocalypse of Moses. It repeats the events of Genesis and Exodus from creation to the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt. It recounts the events in sets of jubilees, or sets of 49 years, and gives additional details such as the fall of the angels, the creation and the destruction of the Nephilim, origin of the giants, demons, and many other interesting details. 
So that's the introduction, and then you've got chapter 10, which I've labelled Demons and the Tower of Babel. I'm sure you'll find that absolutely fascinating to see how supernatural the stories in the Bible really are. And these added books, these Apocrypha books, these even older than the Apocrypha books, the Hebrew books and ancient Jewish books, ones from very far back in time, they add to the Bible and they fill in the interesting details. So I hope you will like reading that chapter 10. And if you'd like the books themselves, this is now my sixth book. We made five insights books, including Enoch Insights, Esdras Insights, Jasha Insights Book 1 and 2, and now Jubilee's Insights. And my first book I came out with, Out of the Bottomless Pit, was about supernatural events and the paranormal as related to the Bible and the end time. So the, all these six books are for those really interested in God's Word and who want to know more and how it fits in with God's plan. If that's what you want, you'll really like the books. I'm sure you will. You can buy all six of my books at Amazon.co.uk or Amazon.com or any of the 12 outlets of Amazon around the world. Sometimes people like to buy the books directly from us. That depends. If you live in the UK or close by, then it might be worth you getting it from us directly as you can get it cheaper than getting it from Amazon. But these days, it's not the price of the books, it's more like the price of the postage and limitations put on sending mail abroad. So that's a, another factor. But you can always contact me if you feel you'd prefer get them directly from us and get them cheaper. I had somebody just order all six of the books, somebody in Poland, we just sent six books to Poland, and they got it a lot cheaper directly from us by ordering directly from us. It was worth it, even with the postage for them. You can email me directly at Steve, and then Strange Truths at OutTheBottomlessPit.co.uk. I know that's a mouthful for an email. Strange Truths at OutTheBottomlessPit.co.uk. And that's for those of you who'd like to order directly from us. So I think that's about all for me. I hope you will enjoy the books. Uh, but please do go on my website to that link I gave you before to get a free chapter, Demons and Tower Babel. And again, you can get that for free at www.outofthebottomlesspit.co.uk front slash 413-438-217. The book will be available as a paperback or on Kindle, but I would highly suggest people get the paperback version of this book because it's a study book and therefore having a paperback book is much more useful than just having it on Kindle because the book is deep and it has a lot of interesting new material for you there as well as reference material cross-reference to other apocryphal books and hundreds of verses in the Bible so you can dig it out and see for yourself are these things correct or are they not I think you will thrill in reading the book. That's how others have experienced it. Happy reading. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. This is Steve signing off.
Well, we still have a few minutes, so let's go out with this instrumental from Emmanuel Gilligan, and that'll give us a little time to meditate on all that Steve just shared. It's called The Castle. (laughs) 